This season on the Full Heart Free Voice podcast, we are celebrating play and creativity. So at the beginning of each episode for season two, Emma and I will be highlighting creative works of joy by Black, Indigenous, people of color, queer, differently abled, or neurodiverse folks. So today I am so excited to shout out and share with you um, someone who is a peer of mine doing work as a multi-passionate coach and educator. Her name is Deanna Joy. Um, Her business is Joy Knows How. And recently she launched this podcast called Multi-Passionate Mastery. So obviously I was super excited that she's putting this work out into the world. Um, And her podcast has such a beautiful um, intention behind it. So I want to share with you what she says about her podcast mission. About the Multi-Passionate Mastery Podcast. Welcome to a podcast where creatives come to embrace their talents as gifts and not a burden. Together, we'll explore how to finally make friends with focus, ditching overwhelm and idea fatigue once and for all, and how to be unapologetic about who you are as a multi-passionate. I highly, highly recommend this podcast for anyone out there who identifies with being multi-passionate, or maybe you're curious about what it means to be multi-passionate. The lens that she talks about focus is something I've never thought about before. I think it's amazing, and it's been super Um, supportive to me in my own multi-passionate mastery. So go check it out. Uh, The link will be in the show notes and uh, definitely like her podcast and, and give her some love as well if you check it out. Welcome to the Full Heart Free Voice Podcast. I'm Emma Veritas and I'm a writing coach for folks who want to write authentically on the internet. And I'm Caitlin Bosshart, a life coach for multi-passionate creatives, people who want to create a life of their own design, and wedding coach for couples who want to tie the knot their way. We read books that inspire you to live with a full heart and a free voice. This season, we're reading Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. And we're exploring what it means to live a life that is driven more strongly by curiosity than fear. If you'd like to purchase a copy of Big Magic or any book that we've ever mentioned on the show and support the podcast, you can go to our bookshop.org page at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash full heart free voice podcast. So hey, everyone, and welcome to Full Heart Free Voice Podcast. We are so happy you're here. Um, As you know, this season, we are studying Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And today, we are going to be studying the next three essays in her enchantment section of the book. And the essays are called Ownership, Multiple Discovery, and Tiger's Tale. And before we dive into the episode, I'm going to continue our little segment highlighting um, mine and Caitlin's new Patreon for Full Heart Free Voice podcast. So on our Patreon, um, this is a space where you can come and support the podcast with a monthly subscription. But when you support us, you also get um, bonuses and rewards from Caitlin and I. And all of our rewards are designed to help you 
with your creative life. And today I want to tell you about our $6 per month um, Patreon tier, which is where when you support us at $6 a month, you will get the monthly bonus quote audio, and you will also get weekly emails from me. And so what these emails are, are oracle cards that I pick for our Patreon um, that I send to you throughout the lunar cycle. So on the new moon, the waxing moon, the full moon, and the waning moon, you will get a letter from me with an oracle card and a message to help you with your creative life. And the point of this or the idea of why this would help with your creativity is following the lunar cycle can really help you to remember and engage with your own natural life-death-life cycle, which we learned about in Women Who Run With the Wolves, right? Because the moon, the lunar cycle begins on the new moon, and the new moon is in, like, darkness and things are underground or in the underworld and then it grows into the full moon when you're shining your light and things are energized and excited and you might be harvesting and then you go back down again into the waning moon and the new moon where you might again turn inward into the underworld and so it really can help you to engage with your own cycles of self-expression where you want to create sometimes openly and showing, you know, your workout into the world. And then sometimes you want to turn inward and just have a private experience with your own mind and heart and thoughts. And on each of these parts of the moon cycle, the Oracle cards are designed to help you to really engage with that part of the cycle, with that part of the life, death, life cycle. Um, And so that's what those are. So if you like witchy things, if you like um, oracle cards, then this reward tier is really for you. And you can come join us at patreon.com forward slash full heart free voice podcast. All right. So now it is time for Curiosity Corner. And this is the segment where Caitlin and I each tell you in 30 seconds what we've been curious about lately. And this is really goes along with Elizabeth Gilbert's quote that a creative life is when you follow your curiosity more than your fear. And the idea is that creativity begins with these seedlings of just what are you curious about lately, right? And so that's what Caitlin and I want to share with you. So Caitlin, what have you been curious about lately? Okay, I'm going to get my timer started. Three, two, Okay, so the day after this uh, episode airs is actually going to be my 33rd birthday. And one of our listeners, who's also a client of mine, hi, Em, if you're listening, um, turned me on that your 33rd birthday has a significance because 33 is a master number. It also has a bunch of um, religious connotations across like all sorts of religions, um, including it's considered like the Jesus year. Um, But the things that I really resonated with were the energies of compassion, blessings, um, inspiration, honesty, discipline, bravery, courage, and (laughs) okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so it's really kind of cool because I had never, I didn't know that 33 was a year that was sort of significant for people. Mm. Um, and so I loved all these energies and I was like, I want to think, I'm curious about how I can embody these. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing that was kind of cool is that there's 33 vertebrae in the spine, including like they actually count the the coccyx um, 
bones individually. But I was like, oh, there's another kind of cool connection. So I've been like, kind of like, okay, how do I want to embody that as I'm preparing <laughs> for my 33rd birthday? Very cool. Yeah. And happy birthday. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> I love my birthday. <laughs> okay. Your turn. What have you been curious about? Okay. So three, two, one. So lately I have been reading this book called The Sound of a Wild Snail Eating by Elizabeth Tova Bailey. And this has gotten me really curious about snails and slugs and gastropods because I live in the Pacific Northwest. I just recently moved here and there's just a ton of slugs everywhere. Like I'm shocked I haven't stepped on one yet because there are so many. Anyway, they're cool and interesting and I've been learning a lot about snail and slug facts. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) For example, Caitlin, did you know that if a snail's shell is broken or crushed, they can actually rebuild their shell? Really? Fill it in. That's amazing. Pieces from their body. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they can. (laughs) That's that's so cool. I didn't know. I just I would have figured that they were just like done for. So that's awesome. No, I love it. Yeah, yeah. They're really, really interesting creatures. Anyway, this will not be a snail podcast. <laughs> Although it could be. I could I could get on board Although with learning snail be. facts. <laughs> <sighs> so we have an exciting new segment because we received a listener question. And so this is something we actually would love to invite all of you to do. If you have a question, if you have something that you would really love to know our take on or love for us to explore a little bit on the podcast, definitely let us know what your questions are. And you can email us at fullheartfreevoicepodcast at gmail.com. So our listener, Micah Jasky, submitted this question. And here's what she had to say. I would love to know what are both of your takes on creation versus consumption and the balance between the two. I've had what feels like a very long cycle of intense consumption, books, podcasts, trainings, etc. I'm really starting to feel the lack of creation and creativity. My all or nothing self wants to say something like, now I'm going to stop consuming and start creating for an equal cycle. But I think we can all see the downfalls in this line of thinking. I'm so curious what you both might have to say on this. How do we find the time to create when we're so busy consuming? Good question. It is such a good question. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, my mind went so many different directions. (laughs) So Micah, here are a few of my thoughts. So the first thing that comes to mind is to tune in with why you're, well, one, why are you asking this question? So there's something there for you to explore. Um, And my curiosity is, you know, why are you consuming? Are you consuming from a space of, you know, imposter syndrome and thinking that maybe you need to learn more to feel like you're, you know, in quotations, legitimate um, to be able to create the thing that you're wanting to be creating in the world? Or are you consuming because maybe you're avoiding or procrastinating doing the actual thing that you want to be doing because maybe it feels harder or scary? Um, so really looking at why you're avoiding and procrastinating, what are the limiting beliefs that might be popping up for you? And I believe, you know, personally that consuming and creating can actually really work beautifully in tandem when it's intentional. Um, 
and that it can, in fact, really spark ideas and inspiration. But one of the key things that I feel is that, you know, acting on making sure that you're acting on that inspiration when those ideas arise. So making a point to maybe having a notebook next to you um, or, you know, quickly typing a little note into your phone or something. So you're like actually pausing the podcast that you're listening to or setting down the book. Um, And then the other piece is like making sure that you're carving out intentional time um, to create because it sounds like the consuming might have become something that's a little bit more of like a, an automatic response or maybe not as conscious always. So you might have to take a little bit extra intention into that creating time. So I know that this, you know, is, can be, um, you know, the, the easier, like path of least resistance, definitely to be doing the consuming. So it's just resisting that a little bit to carve out that time for creating it and making for creating and making that, you know, as much a part of your, sort of like habits and, and, and things that you're doing on a regular basis. So those are, those are just all the thoughts that were swirling around in my head. Is there anything that you would add, Emma? Yeah, I would say that like, I'm a heavy consumer, right? I mean, I think it's oftentimes about kind of like where you're at in life as well. Like my husband and I have decided not to have kids. And so I work from home, I have my own business and it's we've been quarantining through the Omicron surge. And so I honestly spend a hell of a lot of time listening to podcasts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like taking in information because I'm also an extrovert and I kind of need that outer world to be a part of my life. But I think the most interesting thing about her, about Micah's letter is saying that she's actually feeling the lack of creation and creativity. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the most important key to this letter. Um, you know, cause if you're consuming, but you've, it feels clean to you, then go for it. But if you're feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'm taking in so much information and now I'm feeling this lack of creativity and that lack of creativity feels painful and stifling. Then that is really something like you're saying, Caitlin, to look at and say, like, well, what's going on here? And to ask those deeper questions. And I love the idea of the intentional time, like doing um, something like Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way says to have a weekly artist's date um, so that you can like set aside an hour or two hours where like once a week where that's what you're doing. Um, I'm also a big fan of making those tiny changes of saying like, you know, I don't need to change this whole pattern overnight, but I can set aside 10 minutes a day for creativity. So you can start to make those small changes to create. I just think a little bit of balance, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, like Mike is also saying she can see the all or nothing thinking, and that might not be the right path either. So I, I don't know, for me, it's really about that balance and being super aware, like she sounds really self-aware mm-hmm. and that's a really great first step as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think whenever these questions pop up, it's like so much of like, like her wisdom is already coming through here of like, okay, something mm-hmm. needs to shift a little bit and going, yes. swinging all the way the other direction probably isn't right for me. So I think that you probably have so much already, you already kind of know what you need to do. Um, but hopefully mm-hmm. some of these thoughts will kind of help. Um, you might get to like think about this a little bit more and hopefully for other listeners who are relating to this might get you um, just thinking about kind of what's going on for you if this is if this is relevant. 
All right, so now it is time for our reading recap from the essays that we read from Big Magic. And so, Caitlin, what happened in these essays? Okay, so the first essay is ownership. So what she says is that inspiration will try its best to work with you, but it's going to leave if you're not ready and able to bring it to fruition. And you might realize that this has happened when one day you realize that someone else has created your idea. So whether it's your book or has started your business or recorded your song or put on your play, the thing is that, you know, you never fully showed up for the idea for it to take hold. So someone else got to make that idea. When Elizabeth Gilbert wrote E Pray Love, she said that people began to accuse her of stealing their book that they were going to write one day. Um, and they would angrily accuse her of this um, in the line of her you know, book signings. But you know what she says is that she got to keep that idea because when it came to her, she fully committed to it like a maniac. Like she, as soon as she had that idea, she just wrote and wrote and wrote um, to you know make sure that that idea came to fruition. So she got to keep that idea, but she also shares that there are books that she's lost that she had really, really desperately wanted to write. Um, she does actually explain an idea of when this happened, but actually that it was an okay situation. So she had this idea where she wanted to write a book about Newark, New Jersey, and she was going to follow around the new mayor, Cory Booker, who was attempting to turn the town around, and she was going to call it Brick City. But she never really got around to it. She felt like this is actually going to be quite a bit of work. And then one day she saw that the Sundance Channel had actually produced a documentary with the exact same premise. And of course, they called it Brick City. And in this situation, she was actually kind of relieved that she didn't have to take that on. She confesses that there are many ideas that she didn't get to, and sometimes she handles losing the ideas to other creators really well, and other times she watches really regretfully as someone else gets to bring her idea to form um, and enjoy successes that she'd once imagined for herself. And so that's just part of the, the reality that she, she shares of it. The next essay is multiple discovery. So when Elizabeth Gilbert sat down to try to figure out what happened with her, the Amazon story, she realized that, and to quote Elizabeth Gilbert, what happened with Ann Patchett could have been an artistic version of multiple discovery, a term used in the scientific community whenever two or more scientists from different parts of the world came up with the same idea at the same time. Calculus, oxygen, black holes, the Mobius strip, the existence of the stratosphere, and the theory of evolution, to name a few, all had multiple discoverers. And she says, you know, there's no logical explanation for this, but it happens more than you might think. It actually happens in all industries, all types of ideas. Um, you know, that feeling that there's this big idea out there, especially happens in business where all these companies are trying to grab it and hold of that idea first. And she gives the example of the rise of the personal computer in the 1990s. Her theory is that when this happens with multiple discovery, it's really that it's inspiration hedging its bets. And she feels that inspiration has full right to do this, but encourages readers to not really worry that much about it because this is kind of irrational, um, but to instead just lean into this and be grateful that inspiration, you know, frankly, will talk to us at all. So again, to quote Elizabeth Gilbert, there is no theft, there is no ownership, 
There is no tragedy. There is no problem. There is no time or space where inspiration comes from and also no competition, no ego, no limitations. There's only the stubbornness of the idea itself refusing to stop searching until it has found an equally stubborn collaborator or multiple collaborators as the case may be. Work with that stubbornness. And the next essay is Tiger's Tale. In this essay, Elizabeth Gilbert shares a favorite story that she heard about this phenomena of ideas coming and going from human consciousness told to her by poet Ruth Stone, who Elizabeth met when she was almost 90 years old. Ruth Stone told Elizabeth about her own creative process that when she was a child, she would be out working on her family farm and she could hear a poem actually rushing towards her. And so she would run like crazy to the house so she could grab a pencil and paper and write down the poem. But she wasn't always fast enough, and she could sometimes feel the poem move through her and then leave her on to search for the next poet. And other times, she said that she would just sometimes barely catch it. This part of the essay is actually just way too wonderful to try to summarize, so I wanted to share it right from the book. But sometimes, and this is the wildest part, she would nearly miss the poem, but not quite. She would just barely catch it, she explained, by the tail, like grabbing a tiger. Then she would almost physically pull the poem back into her with one hand, even as she was taking dictation with the other. In these instances, the poem would appear on the page from the last word to the first, backwards, but otherwise intact. That, my friends, is some freaky old-time voodoo-style big magic right there. (laughs) And I believe in it, though. (laughs) I love that, isn't it? Like, so magical, magical and fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So with reading these essays, what was the message that stood out the most for you? Yeah, I really liked this part. And, you know, the part about multiple discovery, I think, is so fascinating. And it made me think of a couple different things. Like first, like in the chapters, she talks about an experience of like one idea that she had that she was so happy she didn't have to do because it was like, oh, thank goodness, like somebody else did it. I don't have to do that idea. And I have for sure had that experience. Like one time I know it's kind of like your scoliosis coaching experience, Caitlin, where like I've always felt that I should write a memoir about my evangelical Christian upbringing, right? Just to see, because I've done so much healing, but don't really talk about that a lot, like the healing journey I've had with that. But um, somebody else wrote a book like that. Uh, Reba Riley wrote a book called Post-Traumatic Church Syndrome. And what I experienced was total and utter relief when I read Mm -hmm. that book, because I was like, oh, good. Like, I don't have to write a book about that. Reba Riley did it. I'm so happy, you know. Um, But then there are other things where I have the opposite experience. So like being a writing coach, for example, sometimes I can get stuck in my head and start thinking, oh, there's so many writing coaches. What, you know, what's the point of me being a writing coach when there are so many writing coaches out in the world? And I think that's where like, there is multiple discovery. Like there are a lot of people playing around with these ideas, right? Like there are other podcasts where two pals 
read self-help books together, (laughs) you know? And I think like, for me, I also like learning about multiple discovery for this stuff also makes me feel relieved because I'm like, well, we can still talk about it. We're all talking about it. It's fine. Like we can do our podcast. I can be a writing coach and I can be a part of like a community of colleagues. You know, like you were talking about your colleague, Deanna Joy, like, like they're colleagues in this field and we can all be talking about this, right? Yes. Like it's multiple discovery. Like let's all multiply discover (laughs) this interesting stuff together and be colleagues. Totally. And I, I actually sense like, I feel relief as well when, you know, when you have a big mission that you're wanting to do in the world and you're like, I'm just like one little person here, like trying to make a difference Mm -hmm. in the world. And it just feels really amazing to know that there's other people doing this work as well because it's like it's about the mission it's about you know like she kind of says like it's about the work it's about the ideas yeah and when other people are taking their you know putting their unique fingerprint on these ideas and putting them out into the world too I'm like oh my gosh like I love so much that um, Deanna Joy like talks about focused in such a unique way and I'm like I love that she does that because that's not necessarily my exact level of genius of like understanding how to, you know, harness focus in the way that she does, you know, and I love mm-hmm. like, that her idea is out in the world. So I love that you're sharing this. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when like in the chapters, when she talks about people coming up to her and saying, you wrote my book, you know, with Eat, Pray, Love, like that was my story to tell. My first thought is, well, tell your story. I want to mm-hmm. hear it. Like we all loved Eat, Pray, Love. Like, or a lot of us, I not know, not everybody loved it, <laughs> but a lot of us, a lot of us did. And I think like, hey, let's hear some more. Like maybe they have a take on the same story that would really speak to somebody. Because I know people, like personally, I know people who really were turned off by Eat, Pray, Love. Like they did not like that book. And I think maybe like the other person's story would have been the one for them. Oh, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think we can all think of an example of something where, you know, maybe you've heard a similar message like multiple times. And then one day somebody says it at the right moment in the right way. And you finally hear it. You finally get it. And you're like, oh my gosh. And aren't you so grateful that that person shared a similar message in their way? You know, that's the thing I try to remind myself of when that, that thought comes up for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked this. It was like a good reminder that um, like we don't really own the ideas. Like many people can be playing with the same idea. And sometimes that can be a relief. Yay. I don't have to write that book. And sometimes it's a time for courage to write your work anyway, to keep going. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with you. All right, Caitlin. So today it is your turn to get coached. Um, So what did the chapter bring up for you? Was there anything challenging or anything you're just wanting to explore more from the chapter? Yeah, I, I really, that last quote that I was sharing about, (laughs) about Ruth Stone pulling the uh, poem like back to her and her just talking about like the way that, that it moves like through her was really interesting to me. And I wanted to sort of explore a little bit more about 
the ideas and like the pace of ideas, because I have a little bit different experience with it. Um, and I was hoping that you could help me kind of wrap my mind around sort of like what all this is, <laughs> what this is meaning for me. And so I'm kind of seeing actually like two sides of, of maybe this conversation. And one is kind of like what she's talking about is this idea kind of like moving through you really quickly and maybe you catch it, maybe you don't. But then there's the other side of it where Elizabeth Gilbert is talking about this in the ownership section where, you know, with an idea, if it gets away from you or moves away from you, it's, you know, it's that quote, you didn't show up ready enough or fast enough or open enough for the idea to take hold within you and complete itself. Therefore, the idea went hunting for a new partner and someone else got to make the thing. And so I guess like what my question is, is like, I sometimes have the experience of, of like maybe a different type of pace, you know, sometimes with ideas, like sometimes I do have the experience like Ruth Stone is like, you know, like when I'm in the shower or something, it seems like all the ideas come <laughs> and I'm like, oh, quick, turn off the water and dry my hands and like, you know, write down an idea. So I do have that experience. Um, but then other times, like, I feel like I'm very open and like ready for an idea and it feels like the idea is so slow. <laughs> like I'm the one who's like moving fast and ideas like we're going to come and like take our sweet time. <laughs> and I'm a little bit like, could we like, <laughs> could we speed up a little bit here? <laughs> so I just wanted to explore this a little bit because I feel like I'm having a different experience, but I don't know if it's like, am I maybe not showing up fully ready for the idea or do ideas actually move at a different pace? So like long roundabout way to say, like, help me with this and understanding what this experience is. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like the pain point for you is more when an idea is moving slowly and you start to worry that that means you're not fully committed yep. to the idea. Okay. Um, and so do you have an example of an idea where this has happened? Yeah. So it's, it's very present for me because as I shared, I think maybe in our first episode, I have been working on this group coaching program. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's been coming up with that. Okay. Um, and so can you say more about the slowness of the idea? Yeah. So this idea came to me that you know, I'm feeling this really strong pull and tug towards offering a group coaching program. And the ideas for this program have come in, in waves at times. And then other times it's like, there's a missing piece there. And I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm like working with the idea and I'm like, okay, but like something's missing here, like something else. I'm not, I don't have some clarity here. And then another wave of the idea will come. Um, and so sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, why isn't this moving forward? Is it because I'm not being committed and, 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 you know, am I not really open to what this idea, how it wants to like show up in the world or is it just like slow? <laughs> is the idea just like taking its sweet time? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's. Another question or another way to even look at it. Um, how big does this idea feel to you? Like, what is the size of the idea? Oh, my gosh. 
I mean, it feels like like a physical size. Try to put like a physical size on it. Yeah. Like if it were a thing, mm. what kind of thing would it be? <laughs> it kind of feels like a like one of those big um, hot air balloons. Okay. So that's pretty mm-hmm. big. Feels big. Yeah. Like a big idea. Um, and so, okay, I'm just going to throw it a hunch. I'm going to throw this out. Normally, I would ask you to say a lot more, but you and I off the podcast have <laughs> talked a lot about your idea. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to throw this out and then you can say more about if it resonates for you. But I'm wondering if you're getting like bits and pieces of a huge thing, like every once in a while, uh, like vantage point of your hot air balloon comes to you like maybe like like if it had strips of color on it maybe you get like one of the colors and you're like ooh, that's part of the hot air balloon and then it might take a little while because the idea is so big to be able to like go and see like the other part of the idea and like to be able to put them mm-hmm. together um so i'm curious if it feels slow but it's maybe moving slow for you because the idea is so big that it does take time for the parts of the idea to come to you. Yeah, I think when you were saying that, it it resonates because it feels like it, it's almost like a like it feels like a quilt almost, you know, and it like same thing is mm-hmm. very similar to like the pieces of a of a hot air balloon. It's like there's all these different sections and panels that get sewn together to create this bigger thing. And as you were saying that, it's like, you know, maybe this isn't just like one idea, actually, you know, mm. Ooh, which is very much like a multi-passionate trait of like <laughs> taking multiple ideas and and bringing them together. And so it's like, here's this one idea that's coming in. And I'm like, yeah, but I really feel like we need a friend for you. <laughs> and so then it's like, then the other <laughs> one comes in and then I'm figuring out how they actually can work together cohesively. So it's like I'm doing the stitching kind of in between those things. Yes. And so I'm curious, like, so that sounds like a a, a process that takes time. Um, and I'm curious, what are the thoughts that come up for you as this is taking time or potentially taking more time than you either thought it should or would like it to? Hmm. Some of the thoughts are, um, I don't want to get bored with it. (laughs) Multi, very Mm multi-passionate concern. I don't want to get bored with it and then not ever do it. Um, I, I think there's some fear of, of just like, there's like a, a, an internal sort of pressure of like, I just want to, I want to make sure that this actually shows up in the world. You know, it's Mm. like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to let this idea down or ideas down Mm -hmm. because I think it really belongs in the world. And so there's like this internal pressure of like wanting to like get there, which like, it's like such an error in thinking of like ever that we arrive anywhere to some degree, but like there's a, there's a level of like having it like in the world so that I can sort of have this relief of like, okay, but I did it. Like it's out in the world and I don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. Okay. So then that sounds like, so my hunch then is that, that 
you might be making it mean and tell me where I'm wrong that if an idea if you work on an idea slowly that the slowness is going to make it go away yeah yep versus like like when I read the text of how Elizabeth Gilbert is explaining it to me it sounds more like she's saying if you completely ignore it it might go find another person right right like if you just like actively like she was saying in um when she was talking about her novel from the Amazon when she didn't work on it like she didn't even look at it or pay attention to it or consider it or think about it mm-hmm. for two years and then when she went back to it she felt like oh this idea has left um which sounds like something really different than what you're doing there actually is a little bit of that that does resonate with me partly because again as a multi-passionate I have other <laughs> ideas and sometimes I want to be working on my program but I'm doing other things too. Or, you know, it's like, like we have this amazing podcast and there's some days it's like, this needs to take the priority. Um, and so I guess it's like, sometimes I'm like, please hang out, like, you know, hang around and wait for me. Cause like, I'm coming back. I just need to like do this other thing today, <laughs> you know? So, so there right. is a little bit of that where it's like, it's always kind of, I'm still working on it in the back of my mind, even when I'm not, you know, fingers to the keyboard or whatever. Um, but I think just acknowledging that for myself is like, actually, it's like, I'm not abandoning this idea. And I think it's like, I'm touching in with it enough that it's not like, I'm not sticking it in storage the way that Elizabeth Gilbert describes. Right. So can you say more about commitment? Like what you make it mean to be committed to Mm. an idea? Um, I think in some ways, the way that I've either consciously or unconsciously thought about being committed is like, is being like full on, um, all in on one thing, mm-hmm. which is again, not a multi-passionate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we get to, get to unearth, unearth these things. Totally. Cause it's like, yes. it's like, this is why I love this work so much. Cause I get to benefit from, you know, this, these constant reminders of how this, this has been, um, I've learned this, but yeah, I think there's this sense of like, I need to be like living and breathing this idea every second of every day, um, in order for it to work. And as I'm saying, it, I'm just like, that's bullshit. Like, I know this is like, not how this works. Um, not for me and not for a lot of us that, that have, multiple things going. Yeah. And for a lot of us who just have jobs, yes, exactly. like we go to work of a day. And so our entire 24 seven isn't living and breathing an idea. And I'm like, I think this is going to be a great conversation for our listeners to understand, well, like, what is it? Like, what is commitment? And like, I also see in here the idea, the or potentially the fear that if you're not committed enough, the idea will abandon mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And I'm curious if that's, if that feels true to you. Like, does that feel like Martha Beck's great question with her coaching is, does it feel like freedom or prison? Right. And so I'm curious if the thought that if you're not committed enough, this idea will abandon you. Does that feel like freedom or prison? No, that definitely feels like prison, like very contracting. Although my mind is like, it's definitely true. <laughs> but my but my body, which is like that's how we 
that's how we tune in with our our truth. It it feels very contracting for me. Okay. Um so let's do a little bit of Byron Katie's The Work. Um, so this is a great tool for our listeners to learn about. Byron Katie wrote a book called Loving What Is. Um, she is an amazing um, personal development teacher, and she teaches this process to help us really question our thinking um, and these beliefs that come up and to help us find the truth. Um, so I'm going to do a very shortened version of this. Caitlin with you today, oh, if yeah. that's okay, because um, I think it could help with this thought. Okay, so the thought is that if you're not committed, or let's get clear on the thought actually first. So what is the thought for you? Hmm. I think how you phrased it before, I think it was, um, or similar to what you said, was if I'm not committed enough, the thought will leave. Or the, sorry, the idea will leave. Okay, the idea will leave. Um, okay, so is that true? I want to say yes, but <laughs> okay, you can no, say I know yes. this is part of the yeah. This is part of the process. Um, is it absolutely true? No. Okay, so what happens when you have the thought? So you're sitting around, you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, if I'm not committed enough, this idea will leave me." Like who? are you? Like, what are the things and the actions that you take when you have that thought? Uh, well, I'm distracted by that thinking for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and actually not as, not being as, as receptive to the idea itself. Um, I mm-hmm. can tend to maybe like the way that I work might be in a way that's much more, um, like, not as grounded, I would say, like almost like more like rushing um, unnecessarily or just feeling scattered. You know, it just it doesn't necessarily manifest in the best ways. Okay, so that thought about you needing to be fully committed actually leads to you feeling distracted. That's just like an interesting thing to note. Um, So if you can take a second. And see if you can imagine a life where you no longer have this thought. Sometimes what I try to imagine is that there's like a vacuum cleaner that's like vacuuming my body (laughs) and taking the thought away. (laughs) Um, If you can imagine just being a person who doesn't have that thought, who would you be then? Hmm. So when I think about not having a thought, there's just a sense of of calm and peace that really comes into my body. And it's like, I feel like I would like stop making it about me because it's not really, the idea isn't really about me, like me doing this thing in the world, you know, kind of like going back to what she said. It's like, it's about the work. It's about the idea and actually feeling a sense of like openness and and more receptivity, like expansiveness in my own energy to collaborate with this idea. Okay. That sounds beautiful and really interesting. Um, And so the next step of the work is to turn the thought around. And so just for our listeners, the idea is that, that like Byron Katie puts forward is that our beliefs are often mirrors of the truth 
And so if we turn the thought to the opposite, we can sometimes find the truth. And how you might turn a thought around is you would literally say the exact opposite. So like if I were to say, um, you know, I'm such a lazy person, I, I might say I am not a lazy person. And then I'd figure out like three different ways, like facts of my life to show that I'm not lazy, right? That's like very common thought in our especially um, high productivity culture. So with Caitlin's thought, it is, if I am not committed enough, the idea will leave me. And so this this is like a big sentence, and we're just going to turn one part of it to the opposite. Um, so Caitlin, I'm going to throw this out to you. The turnaround I want to propose is, if I am not committed enough, the idea will not leave me. So we're going to turn just that end part to the Mm -hmm. opposite. And I'm curious if you can think of three facts of your life that prove the statement to be true. If I am not committed enough, the idea will not leave Hmm. me. Um, You know, there's been many times, I mean, for, for years that I was still working, you know, at at either a full-time job or a part-time job while working on my business. And so I wasn't able to be, you know, fully committed in that, you know, very (laughs) narrow definition. (laughs) Uh, And, and the ideas waited for me to get off work. (laughs) Um, And they, you know, they're waited for me to, to continue working on them. They, They hung around for me for sure. That's definitely a big example. Um, (laughs) there's actually, uh, one of the ideas that sparked the whole concept of my, um, of this group coaching program was actually an idea I had a couple years ago and I completely forgot about it. I never wrote it down. And then it came back to me during a meditation like a couple months ago. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. That's one more example. So, kind of going back to the my last coaching session around um, you know, whether or not I should be a coach for people with scoliosis and supporting them through that. Um, it's an idea that I was not committed to and it's continued to hang around. <laughs> like it's continued to try to get my yeah. attention. <laughs> you're, you're like <laughs> You're like actively like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, normally with the work, we might do more turnarounds. But for now, I think we won't because I'm curious if this thought feels more true to you than the original thought, if the new thought feels more true than the original thought. I think, yes. I think that in my in in my experience, um, that yes, it's more likely that thoughts or that, that ideas are going to hang around than that they're going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And how does that like make you feel when you think now about your group coaching idea that you're working on? When you think actually, my ideas tend to stick around. Like, how does that make you feel now? Um, my first thought was like, well, maybe if maybe if uh, like she says, um, like earlier in the book about, you know, 
you don't want it to get around the universe that you're you know, hard to work with or something. I'm like, maybe I've made the universe think that I'm really good to work with. So like ideas, <laughs> so ideas are like, she'll come around. That's she'll, right. She'll follow up. Like we'll hang around. Um, That's right. <laughs> but I feel like, like, I think it's just a little bit more trusting of, of the fact that, like I've said, I'm going to do this thing. And so, and the idea is like working with me on, on my pace. Um, and also like, there might be times that I'm moving faster than, than the idea too. So like, we might be like having to find some patience with each other. So that's kind of a fun way to think about it as well. That is a really fun way to think about it. Yeah. And I think honestly that, um, like after reading, you know, like something from Elizabeth Gilbert, like she's such an expert on creativity and, I think this is a thing that can come up for folks. Like I've honestly had other clients, like other coach clients who have kind of gotten like tripped up on this idea that the idea is going to abandon them after reading (laughs) Big Magic. And I think the idea I get from it is more like ideas have their, their own entities. And so they're not necessarily acting by this set rule. Um, you know, like I've had ideas that have stuck around for decades. Like the woman who ran with the Bulls book club was an idea I had in my late twenties that I didn't do till I was in my late thirties. Right. Right. Like it was always kind of hanging around, Hey, there's this thing I want to do. And then all of a sudden it was the right time for it. I was the right person for it. Like sometimes like I needed to like grow into that idea as a person um so yeah and so it is like it's kind of fun to play with them as like hey they're their own beings which means they can stick around if they want to right as well and they can go away and and sometimes like there have been stuff that like has gone away and I've been like kind of you know like a little sad about it but kind of there's something else that's like engaging with me so then I'm like already like okay on to the next you know um right right but this feels good. And I think that like, especially because this is an idea that's so important to me, I feel like, I feel like there's that energy and there's that understanding with it. So yeah, I've really appreciated this conversation because it's, it's a little bit like it was a little bit tangled for me and this has been really, really helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. And so how do you think this will impact your day to day when you're doing your creative ideas? I think that it's going to just support me in in really owning my multi-passionateness <laughs> and that and that I'm going to I have different time and energy for each one of my projects and just because I'm spending time with one the other one doesn't necessarily feel like neglected because it's like this is also oh you know this actually makes me think of is like this is the terms of of the contract that I've set with these ideas I hadn't thought about that, but it's really, it's like, I, I'm, will work on you, but also like you have to share me with these other ideas. Um, and so I think actually bringing that to my awareness is really kind of fun to be like, okay, this is like what, what this is about. Um, yeah, absolutely. And just so our listeners know, you might be hearing my cats in the background a little bit. So if you hear a little bit of noise, <laughs> um, they are asking for snacks. So that's what's going on. Yeah. Aww. That's very nice. My rabbit 
uh, never makes noises like that. But he asks for snacks by rattling on his cage. Like, like in, we don't keep him in his cage all day, but like in the morning, he's like, <laughs> give me snacks. <laughs> give me snacks. Um, anyway, I think that is brilliant what you just said about the contract. That like this is the contract you're setting. That mm-hmm. is a brilliant way. To I think that was it. like that was like the aha that like like needed to come through right there. It was like, oh yeah, this is how I operate. This is this is the deal with these ideas. So yep, yes, yeah, because the idea is working with yes. you. Yeah, not yeah. Else <laughs> who's happy to like only be twenty four hours? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what question do you think we should ask our listeners about this? What would you like our listeners to Mm. tell you? My question, I think is like, I I think this contract piece, this is like, so I think this is huge. So I would love to hear from all of you, um, you know, what it, what are the terms of the contract that you are setting up with your level of what your commitment looks like? Um, with your ideas. Um, and so to share a little bit about, you know, what does that look like for you when you're engaging with an idea? And how do you let your ideas know that, you know, you're still you're still going to hold up your end of the bargain, but it needs to look the way that makes sense for you. So I'd love for you all to explore that and share with us what comes up for you when you think about that question. I love that question. All right, so now it is our segment where Caitlin and I tell you what we're up to. Um, so as you can tell, we do a lot of things. We're coaches, we're creators. We have a lot of stuff going on in our world that we would like to invite you um, into to join us with if they resonate with you, if you want to come and hang with us um, outside the podcast. So Caitlin, what are you up to? I wanted to... Um share a little bit again about my one-on-one coaching program because I currently have a spot available and I wanted to just extend that invitation to our listeners. If, um, if you, if you resonate with me and my style and would be interested in exploring working together. So my one-on-one coaching program is really for the person who doesn't see their life following one set path. You really feel like, you know, the only right path out there is the one that you create for yourself. As much as you've tried to find another path, the other right path, it just hasn't quite resonated. And so you're coming to that awareness of like, okay, so if I'm going to create my own path, what I want that to look like. But maybe you've been feeling unsure and you've been questioning yourself, which is incredibly normal. And what I do as a coach is to help you see the ways that you are fighting against your nature as a person, helping you get into alignment with really who you are, the life that you want to create for yourself. And it's really about, you know, helping you see that who you are is not something that you do not need to fix who you are in any way. And I want to help you peel back the layers of all the conditioning and all the messaging that has pulled you off of your own path or connecting with your truest self. So if this resonates with you, I would freaking love to be in your corner um, and supporting you to live a life that is fully aligned with who you are, where you pursue your interests and your passions. Um, But really we start from the inside out and really getting you clear 
and um, in in full ownership of the amazing human that you are. And then we help you transform your your world on the outside and how that looks and how you want to show up and how you want to express yourself. So if you want to connect with me and learn more about if we'd be a good fit, you can hit the link um, in the show notes to schedule a discovery call with me. It's a free call. We'll get to know one another. I'll see where you're at, where you want to go. And we'll talk about how we can bridge that gap um, and work together to get you um, to where you want to be. Okay. So that's what is um, been on my heart lately. Um, Emma, what have you been up to that you would like to share with all of us? Yes, I'm very excited. So this episode airs on March 14th, 2022. And next week from March 21st through March 25th, I am running a free writing challenge. Um, The challenge is called What to Write About. (laughs) And it's for you if you're somebody who wants to inspire, help, and teach others by writing online. Um, But maybe you're scared at writing online kind of frightens you because you actually want to say something real, right? Like you want to have a public voice where you say something real for you. Um, And you also just might not know exactly what to write about on the internet. Like it can be hard to kind of go through like all your ideas, all your thoughts and know like, okay, this is the thing I want to say. And the challenge will have lessons from me about how to connect to your message, like how to figure out what is in your heart and soul about what you want to say. And there will be writing prompts for you to really explore this and uncover um, what you want to write about. And the outcome of the challenge is for you to have five clear and authentic ideas for blog posts so that you can then use my other workbook, which is called um, The Six Steps to Calm Your Fear and Write Your First Blog Post. Um, You can take the ideas you make in the challenge and use them with the workbook and start actually writing your blog. So the whole thing is free, um, but it's filled with lots of juicy content just to help you take that first tiny step towards writing online, which is to get really clear on what's happening inside of you. What do you want to write about on the internet? And so we would love for you to come and join us. Uh, The challenge takes place off of Facebook. I'm not on Facebook so much. um, So you'll get access to my little online portal and we'll be able to interact in the comments there. There's going to be prizes for everyone who responds. And so it's just going to be a really fun week. And you can sign up at my website at VeritasWritersSanctuary.com, and the link is in the comments. All right. So, Caitlin, what quote do you want to share today from Big Magic? So, the quote that I have is from the multiple discoveries section, and it's part of the quote that I actually shared in the recap. There is no time or space where inspiration comes from. There's also no competition, no ego, no limitations. There's only the stubbornness of the idea itself, refusing to stop searching until it has found an equally stubborn collaborator. And what resonates with me about this part of the quote, especially zooming in, because there's some other pieces that you could get tripped up on, but it's (laughs) a reminder is that, you know, ideas don't necessarily operate in human time. And so 
reminding myself that, you know, to really kind of take some of my ego and take some of the limiting beliefs that I have and the limitations I'm putting on how I can work with inspiration out of my dialogue and out of my, my thinking um, feels really, really freeing and just really opening myself up to the mystery of how it can happen and how I get to like interact mm. with these ideas. Lovely. So I'm super curious, what's the quote that you have? So the quote I have today is from the ownership essay, and it's at the end of that essay after she's talked about, you know, ideas that other people have done that she had or, you know, ideas that maybe like she's done that other people haven't gotten to do. And she says, them's the breaks, though, but them's also the beautiful mysteries. And I love that because it's just good to remember that this is also a mystery. Like, I think sometimes I can get like uptight and attached to different ideas and it's like, it's mine. Nobody else can have it. Ah, Whatever. But it's so nice to return to the fact that actually this whole thing is a mystery and actually the world is filled with ideas, right? Like there are other ideas waiting for us, even if one slips through the cracks, it's okay, right? Or hey, maybe the idea has been hanging around for 30 years and guess what? You can start working on it anytime, even if somebody else has done it. It's like, it's all a beautiful mystery. And sometimes like creativity can feel hard, but sometimes it can just be magic as well. Yeah, I love that. All right, so we're going to end today's episode with a permission slip for you. And the permission slip, this episode is really to let yourself be who you are. Like if you're somebody who has a lot going on and you can make a contract with a creative idea where you do 10 minutes a day or a week on an idea, then that's the contract you're making. You get to be who you are. Um, If you're somebody who isn't multi-passionate, who wants to be all in on one idea and can do that and has the time and space, then you get to be that too. Um, So I just loved the realization Caitlin had during her coaching session. And we want to give you all the permission slip to, to be yourself and to remember that the idea is working with you and you might have some constraints in your life. And so you get to set up the contract how you want to, (laughs) right? You get to have boundaries with your idea and that's totally okay. All right, everyone, we just want to leave you with some final reminders that we would love for you to check out our rewards on Patreon. There's so much good stuff on there to support your creative life. So take a moment to go check that out. Um, If you want to engage with us on Instagram, we have been doing a community question live video for every episode. And so that is such a great opportunity for you to share some of your thoughts, but also to engage with one another. Um, And as a reminder as well, we would love to hear your questions. So if you want us to respond to one of your questions on a podcast episode, reach out to us, send us your questions. We'd love to hear them. So you can email us at fullheartfreevoicepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the podcast in other ways, a few of those options are to go on over to check out our merch shop and purchase some merchandise with our logo on it. Um, You can purchase any of the books that we've mentioned either today or in the past 
from our bookshop.org shop. The link will be in the show notes for that. And of course, it means so much to us if you would take just a couple of minutes to leave us a five-star review and even share one sentence about what you love about the podcast. It really helps us to reach uh, the hearts and minds of our of other listeners. Um, so we would really appreciate if you just take a couple of moments to do that. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This episode was produced by Emma Veritas and Caitlin Bosshart. You can find out more about me, Emma, at my website, VeritasWritersSanctuary.com, where you can download your free workbook, Six Steps to Calm Your Fear and Write Your First Blog Post. And you can connect with me on my Instagram page, Books and Moss, at books underscore and underscore and you can find out more about me, Caitlin, at my website, caitlinbosshart.com, where you can download my free workshop and workbook, Finally Start Your Passion Projects. And I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. Come and find me at Caitlin underscore Bossheart and say hello. If you love the podcast, it would mean the world to us if you'd subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. To stay connected with us, Join the conversation on Instagram at fullheart underscore free voice underscore podcast or join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fullheart free voice podcast. And remember, you can purchase any of the books we mentioned in today's show at our bookshop.org affiliate link. You'll find all these links in our show notes. A special thank you to the amazing artists whose music is featured in our podcast, Wally Ingram, Stevie Black, and Tom Freund. You heard a portion of their track, Shine a Light, from their record, Spa Day. And thanks to Caitlin Bosshart for creating our beautiful cover art. And thank you to Kirit Basu for all of his audio and technical help. And a huge thank you to Emma Veritas for her editing magic. And last but not least, thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you.